Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. Um, if you've got your Bible with you this morning, would you turn to Genesis? Genesis chapter 6 is where we're going today. I don't know if you do this, but, but at the start of every year, for Elise and I, we try and ask God, what's a word that would guide our decision, that would sort of guide our path for the year? And, and this morning, I want to share with you something that I feel like God has put in my heart for, for not only for us, but, but actually for us as a church, that this would be true for us at the start of this 2023 year, a year that holds so much potential and promise and excitement right here at the starting line. But it's something I think that God would help to guide our year with as well. And so I want to speak to us this morning from the subject, when favor finds you. When favor finds you. There's a huge difference between blessing and favor. There's a huge difference between blessing and favor. Blessing comes upon what you do. Blessing comes upon the work of your hands. And so blessing comes when a person begins to steward well the things that God gives them. Stewardship is that idea that everything you think you own is actually on loan to you from God. And so your time, your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your money, that that all of those things are actually every good thing that finds its way into your life actually comes from God. And so as we steward those things well, God's blessing comes upon it. And so blessing causes increase. Blessing causes multiplication. A blessing causes what we do with our hands to go further than just if we were naturally doing it, but the blessing of God causes it to be able to go further. You remember with Jacob and Esau in, in the book of Genesis that, that Jacob steals from his brother the blessing that was rightly due to Esau. And then later on in Jacob's life, we see the outworking of that, that, that his father lays hands on him and blesses him, but that blessing just means that everything that Jacob touches just seems to stand out. It just seems to go further. It just seems to increase and multiply so much so that his future father-in-law sees that, that everything that, that Jacob touches seems to just go well. And so he convinces his future son-in-law, to work for seven years, and then he will give him Rachel, the the girl he actually wants to marry. But Laban actually tricks him and gives him Leah instead in order that Jacob might work another seven years and then actually get the sister he actually wanted to marry. But Because Laban could see, even from an outsider, even from a non-God-fearing person, he could see that there was something about Jacob. There was some, everything he seemed to touch just seemed to turn it just seemed to work. And, and blessing is different than favor because blessing comes upon what you do. And so God's desire is that every person would live in blessing. But that's not true for every person because God cannot bless idle hands. God cannot increase inactivity. And so blessing comes upon what you do. It comes upon the work of your hands. But favor is different than blessing. So I pray that you and I, that we would experience the blessing of God. That's a good thing, that God wants to be able to bless us and God wants to be able to take the activity of our hands and be able to add supernatural increase to it and allow it to go further than even if it was just done out of natural talent ourselves. But, but blessing comes upon what you do. Favor comes upon who you are. Blessing touches the work of your hands, but, but favor touches your character. 
and where blessing is, is only realized through activity, favor is actually recognized through character. You can't work for it, you simply accept it. You can't earn it, you simply receive it. And so I honestly believe that this year we're stepping into a season as a church of unusual favor. We want to experience the blessing of God, that's absolutely true. But, but, but also more than that, that we're stepping into a season of unusual favor. Do you know that you are highly favored? Just turn to the person next to you to say to you, you are highly favored. You are a highly favored individual. This, this is true, you can check this with Elise, but, but for me, I, I kind of live that way. I just kind of, I live as if I'm favored. I always park in the main street at Noosa. I just believe I'm highly favored. I just always do it. Always out the front of the Sofitel. Even if I have to do a couple of laps, that's where I park because I'm highly favored. I do not park back in the boondocks. I'm a favored person. I kind of live that way. In fact, sometimes Elise finds it a little bit frustrating, but, but I actually feel like this is more than just that natural sense of feeling like, do you know what? I'm going to live as if I'm favored. But actually that God wants to bring supernatural favor. So this morning I want to take us to, to the book of Genesis because there is a person in the Old Testament who is introduced to us in a time that's quite tumultuous. He's living in the midst of wickedness. And yet the way that the Bible introduces us to him is actually by a note of favor. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 records the beginning of the story of Noah. And this is what the Bible says in Genesis 6 verse 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he'd ever made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. And so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have ever made them. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I want you to notice this, that Noah never went looking for favor. Favor came looking for Noah. That was, all, that was almost a full clap on the 8th of January. That was almost a full clap. That, that the Bible introduces us to Noah this way, that actually before we find out anything about him, we know that he's living in a time where God himself regrets that he ever actually made mankind. That, that things are so wicked and things are so terrible that, that God finds himself regretting what he's done. And then the Bible says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. He didn't have to go looking for it. He didn't have to earn it. He wasn't trying to pull his socks up in order to be able to try and attract the attention of God. No, Noah didn't go looking for favor. Favor came looking for Noah. And so as we continue to read, this is how the story continues. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence, and God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it and leave below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take two, uh, you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Can we pray? Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray today that you'd help me to be able to preach it. That God, today we might leave this place different people. God, encourage us, challenge us. Lord, change us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? We read those, those 18 verses that we just read really quickly. But for Noah, that, those 18 verses represent over 120 years of his life. And so if you were to this morning put yourself in the position of Noah just for a minute, right? That this is actually Noah's life for longer than our lifetime this moment. That that God comes to him and shares with him, I'm about to do something that I've never done before. I'm going to cause water to come from the sky because I regret that I've ever made mankind. But my favor, Noah, has found you. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. Can you imagine what that moment was like for Noah? The Noah gets up one morning and he goes downstairs and his wife is preparing him breakfast. And, and, and as she's preparing him breakfast, she's like, good morning, Noah. Did God speak to you anything this morning in your morning devotional? And, and Noah's like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, I had a good time. I, I sung a few songs and, and, uh, and I started my, my one-year Bible reading plan. And, um, and she's like, did, did God say anything specifically? A- anything at all? Have you ever noticed how that kind of happens? How it's the wives who kind of, they, they're the ones who are like, God, God speak to you about anything? It's like, well, yeah. Have you got the 14-page essay that I can read now from what God has spoken to you about from, from, from that morning devotional that you've just done? And so, and so Mrs. Noah is doing that, like trying to probe, like what did God speak to you about? And, and so Noah's trying to be a little bit like, well, you know, um, God, God wants, me to, um, he wants me to build a, 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 an ark. And Mrs. Noah's like, that's lovely, honey. <laughs> What's an ark? Uh, it's like a really enormous boat. <laughs> that, that's great, honey. Why would we need a boat? We live in the middle of the desert. Because uh, God said it's going to like rune or like run or like, I think rain is what he called it. And Mrs. Noah's like, that's lovely, honey. What's rain? Because until that point, the Bible tells us that it had never rained on the earth. So when Noah is saying this, he's saying something that even he is not quite sure is accurate. Because he's got no frame of reference for what God's actually said to him. And so he explains to Mrs. Noah, um, rain is um, it's water from the sky. 
And so Mrs. Noah gives him a, a, a plot out the back, right? She's not going to put it in the front yard because people are going to come and ask questions. So Noah sort of starts in the backyard, just sort of making this thing. But, but of course, he, he's building a, a, an ark, right? He's building a boat that'll fit two of every kind of animal in it. Like this thing is enormous, right? And there's no power tool. So, so he's building, this is like every day he's building this thing. Every weekend, it, it costs them friendships. Can you imagine Mrs. Noah trying to entertain people at a dinner party while Noah has like got this whopping great big ark out the back? That they would have been the butt of every joke. What, 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 what's Noah building? Oh, he's building, he's, um, uh, it's an ark. What, what, what's it for? Um, water's going to come from the sky. It's going to flood the whole earth and everyone's going to die. So Noah's building, he's building an ark for that reason, right? You know what I'm talking about because there's a show called Doomsday Preppers and we kind of watch that and go, what are those people smoking? That's what people did to Noah, Right? Noah's not building the ark on his own. That The Bible says that he's building it with his sons. Right? He's got three sons. It takes them 120 years to build the ark. Can you imagine that conversation? Dad, I don't want to build the ark this weekend. Boys, well, you're 65 years old and living under this roof. You will build this ark with me. It's 120 years that he's building this thing on one word from God. Eventually, they're running tours past Noah's house. You can imagine this, right? Noah's like, building away on the ark. And people are like taking like, you know, like those train rides you get at the markets. They're taking train rides past Noah's house. And here on the right, ladies and gentlemen, you'll see Noah. Who's Noah? Noah's the guy who's building an ark. Why is he building an ark, you wonder? Because water's going to come from the sky. Get a photo with Noah. He's such an idiot. And for 120 years, Noah is doing something on one word from God that makes him the laughingstock of his generation. For the longest time, Noah is considered a fool. And then one day, water starts to come from the sky. And Noah's not the biggest fool on the planet. He's the wisest man who ever lived. Because he listened to what God said, and he did everything according to what God said. And so I want to ask the question this morning, what do you and I do if God has favored us and if this is a season we're stepping into of unusual favor, what are we to do with the favor that God's given us? Ultimately, Noah's life answers that question, what does a person do when the favor of God comes looking for you? So here's the first thing you've got to do. When the favor of God finds you, what is it you're supposed to do with that favor? That the first thing you're supposed to do is do whatever it is God told you to do. Verse 22 said, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. God gave a lot of details about the boat, but you'll notice, right, in those 18 verses, he didn't give Noah like a whole manual worth of details. Like God didn't tell him where to source the wood from. In fact, God didn't actually tell him how he was going to pay for all that wood. That's a lot of cypress wood to build something of that size, right? And, and not only that, God tells him that two by two animals are going to get on there, but, but God doesn't give him a plan for how to like do that. Like, how is he going to catch all these animals? And, and, and how are they going to arrive? And, and you've got to remember that Noah is actually a farmer, right? So, so where is he going to get these tools from? Like, has he ever even built an ark in his life? The answer is no. No one's ever built an ark. So he's building something that he's not quite sure exactly what to do, except for the details that God's given him. Is there insurance for this construction project? God gives him some details, but, but not the kind of details that you and I would like. 
Have you noticed that about God? Sometimes God will ask you to do something, but he doesn't give you all the details that you'd like. The truth is, in following God, what I've found to be true is that God often is short on details. In fact, oftentimes God asks you to begin with something that's small and insignificant and actually looks like inconvenience. It doesn't look like a great miracle in the start. It actually looks like something that's obscure or out of the way or or would be easily overlooked. And so God's short on details and often he starts with something small, but he reveals things over time. My dad is here this morning, and, and this is true. You can ask him about this, that, that when I first learned how to drive, we, we, would, we would drive around, and in Townsville, you can drive from one side to the other in 20 minutes. And so when we would go driving, and I was learning how to be able to drive, I would drive in his Ford Courier Ute, and so I'd say to Dad, where are we going? He'd say, you don't need to know that. Drive to the end of the street. Dad, this would be a lot easier if you just tell me where we're going, because I know how to get myself around this city. So, so you just tell me where we're going and, and, and I'll get us there. He'd say, turn right at the end of the street. So turn right at the end of the street and drive down that street. And then he'd say, you turn, turn left on that roundabout. Say, Dad, just, just tell me where we're going and I'll get us there. And evidently, we'd end, always end up in some place I would know how to be able to get there. We'd end up at my grandmother's house or we'd end up down the strand or somewhere like that. And yet I would end up getting there a way that I wouldn't have chosen. And because he didn't tell me where we were going, I had to listen to each of his instructions. If he had told me where we were going, I would have ignored him for the whole trip. That's what happens when we drive in the car. No, I'm just kidding. But because he wasn't telling me exactly where we were going, I had to listen for each of the instructions. I had to wait at the end of the street for him to say left or right. I I, I couldn't anticipate that. I had to listen on his every word. And I wonder if sometimes God does exactly the same thing for us in order that we might continue to pay attention. That God gives us details. God might even drop a dream into our heart, but it feels like, well, where's the 14-page manual that goes with this dream or this idea or this vision that you've given me? And that's God's way of keeping us attentive to hear what he says next. Turn right here and go left there and through this roundabout. What do you do when the favor of God finds you? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to do whatever it is God told you to do. Here's the second thing you've got to do. You've got to do what only you can do. Have you ever found that in prayer, and maybe this doesn't happen to you, maybe this is only a me thing, but we spend so much time preoccupied with what God should be doing whilst neglecting what it is we should be doing. That we're so comfortable playing God's role that we forget that we also have a role in the miracle that he's unfolding. And so firstly, you do whatever it is God told you to do. But the second thing you ought to do is do what only you can do. That the plan of God never comes fully assembled. That the plan of God always comes like a flat pack. For Caleb Baker, who led worship this morning, this makes a lot of sense. Because for most of the furniture that's arrived in this center, it's come as a flat pack. Caleb has a love-hate relationship with the delivery guy who brings these flat packs to us, right? Because oftentimes they come, and as has been the case with some of the items that have arrived, the, the, the piece of paper that was manufactured in, in China and the actual way that the thing is assembled is actually different. And when you get online, you realize the paper is different to the online video, right? 
But that's kind of like the same thing when it comes to the plan of God, that, that actually it doesn't come fully assembled. It actually comes as a flat pack. And so there's nothing glamorous about the process of building an ark. In fact, there would have been plenty of times that, that Noah might have considered, why am I doing this again? It's not like God came back to constantly encourage him. It was on one word that he commits the next 120 years of his life. And so it was expensive. There were most days he's covered in sawdust or, 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 or tar. And Mrs. Noah was complaining about the unsightly project in the backyard that was causing them to lose friends. They were being ridiculed by neighbors. The local council was really upset about this thing. And so there was nothing glamorous about the process of building an ark. The wisdom of the ark is seen once the rain starts to fall, but for the 120 years up until that moment, this doesn't look so exciting. But God could only do his part once Noah had done his own. Only God could arrange the animals to come two by two. And only God could cause water to come from the sky. And when you read the story, it's God who closes the door and seals Noah and his family in the ark. Only God brings water from the sky. Only God closes the door. Only God brings them two by two. But, but that none of those things can happen until Noah has finished his part first. There's got to be an ark to put them on. St. Ignatius in the 16th century said this, we ought to live this way, to pray as though everything depends on God and work as though everything depends on you. Do what only you can do and leave God to do what only he can do. When you've done everything that's in your might to be able to do it, then the last part you can leave to God. And so what do you do when the favor of God finds you? You do whatever it is God told you to do and you do what only you could do. Here's the third thing. You do it until it's done. One of the things that frustrates Elise is that I get really inspired about projects only to not complete them in the same enthusiasm. I promised Elise at, at Mother's Day that, that I'd do this front garden. And if you've been to our house, I've dug it out. But there's no plants in there yet. Um, in fact, halfway through digging out the front garden, I got an idea to do a side garden. The side garden's done. It was a smaller project than the front garden. In fact, it got done, and this is no joke, Christmas Eve. Because I knew on Boxing Day we were flying to Townsville to be with family. I was like, I've got to get this thing done because we bought the plants. So they had to go into the ground. I know this doesn't happen to you. This only happens to me. But, but oftentimes I, I start these projects and then halfway through that project I see something else and I think, I, could, I should do some of that and I start that one too. And so there becomes a series of projects that are on this long list. And I would forget about them, except that Elise has actually, she's written them out. She's about to tattoo them, just to make sure that I don't forget which ones they are. But what do you do when the favor of God finds you? Will you do that thing that God told you about until it's done? One of the things I find interesting is that, is that Noah takes 120 years to build the ark. All the animals get on board. Noah and his family get on board. God closes the door. When you read the story, seven days after God closes the door, the rain comes. Which makes me wonder, was it just that Noah happened to finish the ark in time before the rain came? 
Or was it that God wouldn't allow the rain to come until Noah had finished the ark? Like if Noah had finished the ark in 90 years, would God have caused the rain to come sooner? And if Noah had taken 140 years to build the ark, would God have caused the rain to come later? Which also makes me wonder another thing. What is it that you and I have delayed God from doing because we haven't been diligent to make the preparations? What do you do when the favor of God finds you? You do whatever it is God told you to do. You do what only you can do, and then you do that thing until it is done. Here's the fourth and final thing as our worship team comes back. What do you do when the favor of God finds you? You do it until God gives you something else to do. Noah's almost 500 years old when he receives the word from God about building the ark. Then then the building of the ark takes approximately 120 years. Noah and his family are on board the ark for 375 days. And then Noah lives another 350 years. Building an ark was not the only thing God ever asked Noah to do. Because once they'd left the ark, Noah's family were the only people left on the earth and there was a responsibility to reestablish the earth. And here's the point. When the favor of God finds you, you do whatever it is God told you to do. You do what only you can do and leave the part to God that only He can do. You do it until it's done, but then you do that until God gives you something else to do. And here's the point. The most dangerous place in our journey of faith is directly after an answer to prayer. Because there's almost a temptation, if you've ever had God answer a prayer or had a significant breakthrough in some area of your life, then there's a temptation right on the end of that to think, we're done. That's good. I've experienced God's power and God's goodness. And you can almost start to stop and to rest and to settle down. And the temptation is almost to say that I've done my part now and now it's somebody else's chance to, for a change. But you've got to remember that God is infinite. The Bible says that, that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think or even imagine according to His power that's at work within us. And so even if you've had an answer to prayer or, or experienced a breakthrough or seen God do amazing things, you haven't even scratched the surface of what God wants to be able to do in and through your life. And so when the favor of God comes upon you, yeah, yeah, you do what God asks you to do and you do the part that only you can do and you do that thing until it's done, but, but you do it until God gives you something else to do. And, and maybe for some of us, we've not experienced the power of God. Maybe for some of us, this part's new and, and we've prayed and we haven't yet received an answer to prayer. But maybe there's others of us and, and we have experienced those things. And we've almost thought, well, you know, my part now is done. God's used me and, and that part's over. But I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. There was still a lot of living for Noah after the ark. There was still a lot that God wanted to do in Noah's life beyond building a boat. And the same thing is true for you and I as well. That we do what God's asked us to do until God gives us something new to do. Maybe at the start of this year, the question for you and I to ask is, 
God, if you're giving me unusual favor, what is it that you want me to do with it? What is it that you're asking me to do? Not simply the vision of our church, but but what's your vision for your life? What's your vision for your family? What's your vision for, for this year? What is it that God is asking you to do with this unusual favor that he's bestowing upon you? I love the story of Noah because in the story of Noah, we see a bigger picture at play. Yeah, we see the story of a guy who who was told by God to do something and out of obedience and faithfulness, he, he went ahead and he did that very thing and he did it with all of his might. But there's also a story within a story for for Noah. That when you take the light of the New Testament and what Jesus did for us and you shine it upon the cross, it casts a shadow that goes back to some of those Old Testament stories that show us that actually even in some of those stories, God is already giving us a hint about what is to come through His Son. That even Noah's story is pointing us towards Jesus and His coming. Think about this, that the ark was graciously provided by God for imperfect and sinful people as the only means of salvation. And likewise, salvation in Christ is graciously provided by God for imperfect and sinful people. That the ark itself was planned by God. And likewise, for you and I, having become recipients of God's grace, that salvation in Christ was planned by God even before creation. That those that were in the ark were saved from utter destruction. And likewise, those who are in Christ are saved from eternal destruction. The ark, for all of its size and grandeur, only had one door. It only had one door which Noah and his family had to enter in order to be saved. And likewise, salvation in Christ has only one door and His name is Jesus. that it was God who safely sealed Noah and his family in the ark. And likewise, it's God who safely seals our salvation. We can't do that for ourselves. That the call to come into the ark was a limited time offer. And likewise, the call to come to Christ is a limited time offer as well. And finally, just as the coming flood was completely unexpected, We look forward in light of what the New Testament says and know that the second coming of Christ in the same way will be unexpected. So New Testament writers who say that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. Because there's something from this story of Noah all the way back at the start in Genesis that actually resonates for us. That there's something about the culture in which Noah lived something about the times in which Noah lived. The Scripture says that even as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. And that might be true for the culture in which Noah lived and for us as well. But it's also true in another way that God is looking for people who He can bestow His favor upon, people whose hearts are inclined towards Him, people who on one word will act in obedience to what God asks them to be able to do. And I pray that for our church, for you and I, that we'd be those kind of people that would say, God, if you're looking for somebody willing to be used, you don't have to look any further. 
If you're looking for somebody who'll step out in obedience, even at the cost of relationships, even at the cost of my own reputation, I will stand in boldness. As these young guys did this week at Beach Mission and said, you know what? I'm going to be bold in my faith. I'm going to declare the goodness of God as I've seen it in my own life. That you and I would be those kind of people. That we'd be recipients of the favor of God and be responsible with it. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we come to pray? Lord, I thank you this morning for every single person who's in this room. And Father, I ask right now, by your Spirit, that you begin to move on people's lives. Holy Spirit, I ask for your unmerited, undeserved favor, God, to rest upon people. God, that we don't earn it, that God, we don't even deserve it. God, it's just you bestow out of your good and kind heart your favor to us. And God, I pray that you give us the boldness and the courage to be responsible with that favor. God, to hear your voice and God, to be obedient, to step out in faith, to step up in faith. In Jesus' name. Just while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just before we finish this morning's service, we're going to finish with just one more prayer. We do this at the end of all of our services. And before we pray, I want to ask everyone here just one question. I believe it's actually the most important question a person can ever be asked. I want to ask you this morning, are you right with God? I don't mean do you pray sometimes. I don't mean do you believe in God. I don't mean we christened as a child. What I really mean is this. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you stopped and you asked for God's forgiveness and you invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never been to church before. That, that, that's never happened. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you have been to church before, but as you think about it, there's never actually been a moment in your life when you stopped and you asked for God's forgiveness and you invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, in just a minute, we're going to pray a prayer. A prayer accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so if that's you, as we pray this prayer, I want you just to pray it and mean it in your heart. There might be other people who are here this morning and you'd say, do you know what? I did pray a prayer a long time ago, but I'm away from God. Funny thing is we don't need anyone to point out to us when we're not right with God. We kind of instinctively know it in our own hearts. And so maybe you're here today and you're saying, do you know what? I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believing that God raised him from the dead, that in that moment you shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says it's as simple as praying a prayer. And so this morning I'm going to lead us in this prayer. I'm going to get our whole church to repeat it after me. If you've never prayed before, it'll be really simple. But as you both believe it and confess it with your mouth. We're going to believe today that you're going to connect with the God who created you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray with those who are praying this prayer for the first time or rededicating their lives today. Pray this. Pray, dear Jesus, a big loud voice, dear Jesus, I come to you this morning and I realize that I need you. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all of my mistakes. Jesus, wash my heart completely clean. Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that you proved it when you died on the cross 
for my sin. Jesus, from this morning on, I want to live for you. I want to be a Christian. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and change my life. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. God, I pray today, Lord, for those people who are praying that prayer sincerely with their heart. Lord, you know who they are. Lord, I pray that even right now they become aware of your forgiveness, that it might even feel like a weight that falls off of their shoulders. That, God, they become aware of your forgiveness. God, just beginning to wash over their soul. God, I pray that they become aware of the plans and purposes you have for their life. God, plans to prosper them and not to harm them. To give them a hope and an incredible future. Lord, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together this morning for those who prayed that prayer? Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day. And until next time, bless you.